Hi, my name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to Behind the Daw. We interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level to get inside their heads, gather the best information, and then bring it back to you. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our new YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. If you have any artists you would like to see come on the show, or if you have any feedback in general, you can contact me at Wyatt at musicandstuffllc.com. I just want to welcome Yo Mace and Gazzo to Behind the Dot. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Very good. I'm doing better than Mike, honestly. Debatable. So I'm going to start off with you, Yosef. When I go to YouTube and I type in your name, I am flooded with Mr. Suicide Sheep. Your name and Mr. Suicide Sheep as of right now is, is pretty much synonymous. I feel like that's how people know you. The smallest, quote unquote, smallest song that I see from them, from you, is like 330,000 plays and the biggest being like 5.5 million which is insane it is insane like it's not even real to me tell me about your your experience with mr suicide sheep i know you mentioned you, you know lucas james from seeking blue tell, tell me about that how'd you get into into contact with him i made a song with a buddy kazen impurity and at the time like i wasn't really pursuing like getting promoted or anything i was just like messing around you know as as we all once did. Kazen, he's a go-getter. So he was sending it to a bunch of promo places. He sent it to like, forgot what the label was, but one label wanted it and we sent it to a bunch of promos. We decided we didn't want to put it on the label and we're just like, whatever, we'll, we'll release it. Then one day, like during the day, just like I noticed like it's uploaded to Mr. Suicide Chief. Like I had no exposure ever. So mm -hmm. this was crazy to me. From there, I felt a little more confident and with my next track, I asked them and they put it up. And then at one point, Lucas contacted me asking to be a part of their new label, Seeking Blue. So I was like, Oh yeah, dude, like totally. I showed them like the EP I was working on and that's how it went. I've been with them pretty much ever since. That sounds like a dream come true, to be honest, because like you didn't try and reach out to them or anything. It was just like, yeah, I'll just do some music, whatever. All of a sudden you're getting hit up by them and they're like, hey. It's crazy, honestly, but you know, that's how it happened. That's how the cookie crumbled. To me, that just like, that just testifies of like the dripping talent that you have because that doesn't just happen. It's dripping talent. He's uh, laughing because he knows it's not true. No, you're very talented. Just dripping is such a funny word. With Mike here, Gazzo. So when I type your name into YouTube, it brings up a magician. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plot twist. I mean, right out, right underneath that magician video, there's like, you know, your song on proximity that has like 2 million views and, and so on and so forth. So obviously you're doing like incredibly well. My question to you, Mike, can I call you Mikey? Are, are we that close now? Mike, you can call me Brad if you want. I don't even care. <laughs> Mikey, tell me, why did you get into music? I feel like this is gonna be interesting. Why did you personally get into music? My trajectory started when I was four. I started playing upright bass and was in orchestra and basically Project, you know, moved on to regular bass, guitar. I was in jazz band, regular band, music theory classes in, in all throughout high school. And I was also in about probably six or seven other bands, emo band, metal band, ska band, all types of bands. I was in a ton of bands growing up and always loved music, but went to college kind of like, you know what? Music is a little too difficult to make it. It's, you know, it's, it's one of the hardest industries in the world, most cutthroat. So I went to school for double major in marketing and psychology. And within two years, I fell in love with dance music. I listened to Kaleidoscope by Tiesto, the whole entire album from the beginning to the end. And that sort of like introduced me to dance music. And from there, I, you know, built the Gaza project, did a couple of official remixes, one to name the best day of my life remix for American authors, which now is up to 44, 44 million streams. That was like my first real Wait, on, on where on, on Spotify. Uh... 
Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it's that was like the first remix that was like, this is a thing. Are you getting royalties for that? No. I was gonna say, dude. No, I mean, well, I get a plaque. I got a, I, I mean, I have, yeah, I have a plaque, and plaque, but yeah, that's dope. But like, not, not for. Yeah, it was, it was before Gazzo had even signed to. Like, I was signed to Republic for two years. So when I was with Universal, it was before I was even with Universal. So we negotiated like a fee, and most most artists don't get remix royalties. Like, unless you're Tiesto, you'll get a couple points on a record, but you usually won't get any points on any records. Me and my manager always joke about it because it was really the first moment that, like, broke Gazzo as, a, as an artist. I had, like, I had Proximity and I had a bunch of other YouTube channels that it supported. I hit Top of Hype Machine, like, 12 times and... That all was great, but this was like the first, like, you know, it hit 10 on iTunes, top 40, like it was played on the radio. So, but we always look back, we're like, we should have more money. Mike, you know how I found you? This is a funny story, but well, me and Mike have, we're in the same management company. Before I even met you, I heard your song on Spotify and I told my girlfriend, we're just going through like playlists. And I'm like, this song is dope. I think it was Long Way Home. This is so good. And I kept replaying it. That's why I chose this management company. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's funny, but before you had signed over to Justin and the management team, and I was like, you need to sign this kid, like immediately. Especially because like you're singing on your own records too. Like that is a huge thing. I feel like that's where it's headed. Like the singer, songwriter, electronic music. So I feel like I'm in a good spot right now. It's not like you have to backtrack and like, oh, now like this person sings. When we were waiting for Mike to show up, I, you know, you, you explained that your relationship with Seeking Blue and the other artists at Seeking Blue is that you basically, the way you d- described it is that you still feel like you're a very small fish, right? Definitely. Okay. I mean, dude, they have a Lenium. Said the sky, seven lines now. Mm-hmm. Echoes is pretty big. They had Eden. I'm in the shadow of these people. It's great to be a part of it. And it gives me room to like maybe get there one day. But I do notice like they're in the next tier. I see what you're saying because of right now, you know, like if I was to look at your socials or talking with you and if I was to ask around if people knew who you were, I would say that more often than not, people would know the other people in Seeking Blue as rather to you. But my question to you is why? And here's why I want to ask why is because you have unbelievable music. That's awesome to hear. Why aren't you in their position? Is it just timing or why? Is it fear? I'm just not naturally like you could tell just by how I introduced how I got involved with all this. Like I'm not so pushy. I'm not a pushy guy. I don't like in this industry. I feel like you really do need to do it. So the unnatural part of me pushes myself and like to be pushy. I think I honestly need a team and I have a pretty good team right now. You're kind of a more, more reserved person, you know, as pushy. And so do you, you feel like you're not where the other people are because you're more, more reserved, I guess you'd say. Is that, is that the term? I also want to say like, it's also the music ultimately, like lonely, obviously connected with people. It did really well on YouTube. I, I saw, I'm still developing my sound. I'm, I'm trying to find the perfect sound where it's like, it's my style. It's not copying other people. And then I feel like once I hit on that, I think things will start moving. I'm just, I'm convinced about that. In fact, I have complete faith in you and we have Gazzle here. So that's all obvi- like you brought him in. That's obviously a testament that you're doing something. Dude, Gazzle's the man. Gazzo is the man, man. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> With that, is there any fear that's holding you back from becoming who you want to be? I feel like the, the music lifestyle, is that the lifestyle I want to live? Do I want to travel all the time? Do I want to do this? These are questions I ask myself. Being a part of the music industry is vital to me, to living. Like, I don't, I don't think I could do another job. Like I've tried, trust me, they're not fun for me. <laughs> Does that mean I need to be an artist forever? No, doesn't mean that. I'll be happy if I'm awarded 
by God, a place in the music industry on some level. I don't need to be a famous guy. So just so that I understand, so what you're saying is that right now you have this intense desire to be in the music industry, to do music of some fashion, but at the same time, the traditional lifestyle, I don't want to say traditional, but the common lifestyle that comes with that, the traveling, the, you know, the things that people are faced with on a daily basis, it's just, ah. But in a perfect world, I would do four shows a year and it would be a big event. I'm definitely not there, but I'm saying like in a perfect world, that's what I would do. Like I wouldn't even tour. I don't know. I'm not even sure. I, I think to make it, you're going to need a tour ultimately. I'm just telling you like how I feel, you know, like do For I sure. want to do that? With this, with the situation that Yosef's in right now, with when he has like these two seemingly opposite things that are pulling at him right now, the desire to make music, to be in the music industry, and then also the desire not to do the touring, not to, you know, like fall into the common uh, producer lifestyle. You know what I mean? They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like they don't both need to happen at the same time. What I mean by that is you're a great writer, you. So you can become a writer. You can push out an artist project, but how big that artist project becomes has to do with how much you're willing to tour. Because without touring, even in today's day and age, you can build a platform pretty big, but without actually connecting with fans on a personal level, which is the, the, the best way and really the only way is like performing live, you know, to really have those connecting moments. It just depends on how high you want to strive with an, on the artist side of the career. But you can still be in the music and not tour. There's production, there's, there's songwriting, there's so much a part of what I love about the music industry. Like I have my Gaza project, but like most of what I do is produce and songwrite. That is what I do every day, all day. Yes, I have the Gaza project. Yes, I go and DJ. But regardless, like what I really truly do is I'm a music producer. I'm a songwriter. It's really comes down to what you want to do. And I think you'll figure that out as you continue to make music and as you continue to see more, you know, glimpses of success, because you can't really know whether or not you want to tour unless you try it. And when you try it, you'll know if it's for you or it's not for you. I agree with you, man. I'm too early in this stage of my career to really like to give you like an educated answer. It, ultimately, if we want to r- refer to someone for advice, Gaz is a good guy for that. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I've also made every mistake ever doing this for a while. And, you know, even before Gaza was the thing, like with all that mistakes comes at least a little bit of knowledge. You do live this lifestyle. I mean, you're, you're touring quite a bit, right? Good amount. You say you produce, you songwrite all day. It's This is your thing. What has been the hardest thing about this lifestyle that you live? When I'm alone in hotels traveling, it gets hard. You know, it gets hard to be away from the people I love. You know, I have a girlfriend here in Los Angeles. It's hard to be away from her. You know, I live across the country from all of my family. So that's also hard, but I know I need to be here with what I'm doing in this point in my career. There, there's a lot of hardships. Most of it is is just being on the road, being alone. I mean, even on tour, when I was on tour with Caps Lab a couple years ago, you know, we were with the homies and that was the funnest tour ever. I have so many Snapchats. It was also exhausting. We had eight flights in one weekend. In one weekend? One weekend. Where were you going? The moon? Like <laughs> It was poor routing and they were all obscure little towns. So most, most, if you don't have a major airport and you're coming from a major city or say you're in like Missouri and you're in a small town in Missouri, most flights from that small town won't go to another small town. They'll go to the main airport and then to a main city and then to the main town. It just depends on where you are. The the touring, the routing just wasn't really the best at that point. But either way, like that's the most exhausting part is 
keeping your sanity when you're by yourself. I do truly love performing too. So there's like a silver lining to it. You know, it's like if it's a really good show and the music goes really well and I've done a couple live performances too and I've played in bands before, those are definitely more, there's more of a payoff when you're playing live, way more of a payoff. But when you play a good show, I mean, I've played in front of 10,000, 20,000 people. When you play that show, I'll travel across the world to feel that. You feel a certain way after that. I've been to India twice and those are 19 hour or 15 to 19 hour flights. Just imagine waking up after a full night's sleep, still having a full night's sleep on a plane. <laughs> like you wake up, you're like, oh, let's almost be there. Oh, we're not even halfway there. Great. I'm just going to play checkers on this screen for 10 hours. Part of it. You mentioned that you have a girlfriend. I'm assuming. How tall is she? It, like, like, are we talking like three feet? Are we talking four feet? Six foot ten. <laughs> so, I am eating a tree, guys. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> with me, I, I, I'm married. Thinking about leaving her for, dude, like even a week, like that eats my soul. Thinking about leaving her and my daughter home while I'm while I'm out doing touring or, or whatever, it, it, it eats my soul. I mean, so like, do you have those similar feelings? Has there been any problems with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, she she's definitely good about it. We stay in constant contact. You know, I'm not like I'm not the type of person that'll disappear. FaceTiming her like the minute I get to the hotel and not because like, you know, she needs me to. It's just because I want to FaceTime her. We've been together for seven months, but I also do like stints. Like I go to Atlanta and I'll produce for a week with like Tricky Stewart's team. I've been to Vegas a bunch to produce over there. Like, so I do have outside of touring, there's also those situations and those are like business trips. She has business trips with her jobs. So we kind of look at it as like more frequent business trips. The only thing that it forces me to do is not only pay attention to the moments we have, but cherish those moments that we are together. Try to balance it as much as possible. It does get hard, you know, obviously like, but it just goes, you know, it's the same thing as being away from people you love, whether they're your friend, your girlfriend, you know, your, your kid. You have to make the effort. And if you don't, that's how relationships diminish. Over to you, Yosef. So, I mean, obviously where you're at right now, you haven't been touring. So, so your girlfriend hasn't established that. First off, how, how long have you and your girlfriend been together for Yosef? Three years. Has it been hard for her to know that the lifestyle that Mike here lives could be your lifestyle one day and you could be gone a lot and stuff? I can't imagine any girlfriend of someone in this situation being like so cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. saying she's against it. She's definitely not. She's like the most supportive girlfriend in the world. It's a tough pill to swallow. The, what you put into it is what you get. I remember like distinctly, I was dating this girl and I was just like, why can't you understand? I don't talk to you for eight hours straight at night when I'm producing. She just doesn't know what I do. But if you don't like talk about it and be one transparent about you, the time you're spending and also like invite them in on what you're doing. This is what I do all day. I listen to snaps and I EQ them. That's what I do all day. It's really <laughs> exciting, right? I actually put my girlfriend on a, on a track. Has it been released? Yeah, it's on my album. It's Truth Seeker. It's like the she like talks in it. Oh, no way. That's her on Truth Seeker. I was listening to it right before we hopped into this. From the outside looking in, I mean, I know that I feel like I know the answer to this question. But for those listening, it sounds like having a girlfriend, having a wife, having some something like that in your life, it almost seems too much trouble being in the industry that we are because of the traveling, because of, you know, we're, we're producing late at night, we're doing all these things, you know, we have to go see a bunch of people, yada, yada, yada. So it almost looks like there's temptation is there that it's not worth it. But obviously, you both have a girlfriend, I have a wife. So my my question to you is, why is it worth it? having a girlfriend or a wife. It's not easy 
I wouldn't say it's not not worth it. Not easy. So like with this lifestyle, like things change very quickly. And when they change, your life changes. And it could happen in a day. You know, I mean, one song can change the rest of your life. It can change the trajectory of your entire future. When it comes down to the relationships that you're in, having someone that is there for you, you need a really strong woman. And the woman needs to understand that some of the frustrations you're going to have and the existential crises that you're going to have probably once a week, it's part of it. And if someone can deal with that, they're worth hanging on to. Yeah. You don't understand how many times I've said to my girlfriend, like, I straight up told my girlfriend, like, I suck. Part of it though, I don't know an artist or a producer or a songwriter or anyone in the creative field that doesn't do that. You see all these artists, you know, like Chester from Lincoln Park, like, Look, even though someone can be as successful as him doesn't mean that means he's happy. He has kids, he has a wife. With what he struggled with, has put up so much of a facade that you couldn't you wouldn't be able to tell that it was a problem. Yeah. It sucks, but it's a part of this industry. It's like it's you're the brand. You can't mess with your brand. This is very common. You see this all the time. I I went to Icon Collective and I saw this all the time on the concept of the girlfriend don't have anyone to tie you down. There was multiple people that came and did Q&As at Icon that said don't have a girlfriend, don't be close with your parents, don't have anyone that you're close to, don't be happy, this is an industry. Don't be happy, be music. It was so stupid, but one of their one of their big arguments, once you start DJing, you're gonna be a chick magnet, and there's gonna be girls all over you, and stuff like that. To me, like, like I get it, like I was, obviously I was single, I was not born married, so I know what the single life is like, and it's great, it's a lot of fun. But to me, you know, when you go to the movies, you see the previews, and the previews are like, whoa, this is super dope, you know, freaking Transformers 17 is coming out, and it's looking really, really cool, but it's never as good as like the actual movie. When you you finally get into the movie you're like hey this is like really really good and i'm like really engaged and like i feel a part of this so to me when you're single and you're going out and you're doing all this stuff to me that's like the previews this is cool like it's fun and everything but as soon as like you sit down and yeah actually like enjoy the movie you're like yeah the previews sucked compared to this single life is definitely has its benefits it's definitely fun. I'm, I'm sure most people could agree, like, it's all leading to something, right? People are looking for love. feel like that's where it's based in. Yeah, single is fun, but I feel like people are single to become not single. There are people that are very happy being single and not finding anything. It just depends on where you are in your life. Like, there are people that have been always in relationships. And there are people that have most of the time, they've been only been in a handful of relationships. And like, I had that moment in my life where I was just single. And my differences are if I'm single, I'm single. If I'm in a relationship, I'm in a relationship. And I find that being in a relationship is much more fulfilling than being single. I've had those moments in my life. But for me, I'm like on the same page as like, yo, it's like I go out and I'm looking to meet somebody that's profound. It's all about like where you are in your life, your perspective, what you value. It might not make sense to me, but I have friends that don't really don't want a girlfriend and not, and, and really it's because they don't want that person to be something that, like you were saying, like they don't want that thing to be something they care about so much that they can care yeah. about it more. Before my going out with my girlfriend, like this is the weirdest thing. First of all, when I met her, I had deja vu. Like I thought I met her before, but I didn't. I realized we were connecting on a really deep level and I was in a place where I was like, I don't want a girlfriend. I want to be single. I'm young. You know, I'm 19. I don't want to have a girlfriend right now. I connected with her on such a deep level. Like it scared me. I didn't want to approach her. There was no stopping it. It just ended up happening anyways. We really were connected. I think.
there was no friend relationship. It was just like, as soon as I met her, we were something. Because I never had that with anybody before. Person that changes the game for you. It's like, yeah. look, whether or not that person is the one is something that, you know, you'll figure out. You know, for me, it's like, if there's someone that pro- like affects you profoundly and you think they are, they could be that person for you. It just works on a fundamental level. They add to your life. It's more about like the addition to your life and they, they're not taking away anything. Why wouldn't you? explore that because it's the same thing as like I equate it. I know it's like pretty ridiculous to equate this, but it's the same thing as exploring a song that you've tried on, that tried to figure out or finish 9,000 times. Yes, there are, there are songs that you tried 9,000 times, right? But then there's songs that you, that just work and you see those to the end. And usually those are the ones you finish. I do have to say, I do have to go in like two or three minutes. I'm so sorry to cut it a little shorter. No worries, dude. Final question for you. Let's say that Gazo here was able to talk to some form of a higher power, whether that's the Christian God or or some mystical creature that created the earth or, or whatever your personal spiritual belief is. You are able to speak to a higher power and you are able to ask this higher power one question that you know he will give you the answer to. What do you ask him? What is the purpose of my life? Perfect. And to follow up with that, what do you think he would say? For me, my purpose has always been in music and not in the sense of creation, but in the sense of when I was growing up, my biggest escape was music. Whenever I was like four years old, three or four years old, and I would listen to Boston on a tape player. When I was a kid by 14, 15, my way of expressing the love that I had for this girl and like why the relationship wasn't working was through music. The way that I have always attached music in my life has been an escape, has been a way of expression. And I feel like my purpose in this world is to have my music, the music I create is Gazo, but more importantly, any music that I'm a part of, be someone else's escape, be a, a, a mass group of people's escape. Not just like, look, pop music is dope, but it also is music that people do escape to. Just because they're partying doesn't mean that at that moment, they might not be thinking about the fact that their mom's dying. It's that escape. It's that, you know, those the, the shows you go to, the uh, the festivals that you go to, like what adhered me to it the most, like what drew me in the most was that it felt like you were in a different world. And the reason I'm, I'm so, and I've thought about this a lot as far as like what my purpose is and why I attach music in this way is like my dad used to, he had like probably about a thousand or 2000 vinyls. He's a stereophile. So he's been building amps and speakers his entire life, like from scratch. So he had these speakers in, in our living room that were $30,000 each, like the most, like more than his car, but that's what he, that's what he loved. Like he built, you know, he was a part of those speakers and you would sit and listen to a, bl- a band like Sublime and you can hear that the drummer was a little bit off center. Mm-hmm. And for me, like those moments, like I felt most comfortable and most at ease in my life. And it just, I don't know, music for me has always been my purpose is affecting through music, affecting other people in the sense that get through breakup, get through someone passing away. You know, it's it's always been my escape. I think that that's my purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Gazzo, that was gorgeous. Thank you. Clap room. I'm clapping. Mike, thank you so much for coming through. See you both. Mr. Yosef, I have some questions. First off, I'm assuming that you do write your own lyrics, correct? Yeah. The lyrics to your songs, multiple, plural, the lyrics to your songs are gorgeous. They're some of the most beautiful and heart-wrenching songs I've ever heard in my life. No Smoke and Mirrors, man. Authentic Wyatt saying, holy crap, this is incredible. Dude, I appreciate that. I would be blown away if you told me right now that those lyrics 
that you write about actually didn't happen. Are you writing these songs from personal experience? No. Wow, I am blown away. Tell me more. I'm trying to draw a picture. I'm more of a creative type, so I definitely draw from certain emotions and I could connect it to certain emotions, I think pretty well. But then I try to make a song and I decide what is this song saying to me? And I just write the words that it's saying to me. Mm -hmm. I'm making the song, which is coming from the void, bro. Like, I don't know where it's coming from. I'm just making a song. And then I go, I ask myself, what is the words here? Like, what are these words? And that's how, I, that's how I go about it. It might be like, I think of one line that just speaks the whole entire song and then I would just roll with it and I continue along that train of thought. From what you're telling me is that first off, so you create a song, all right? So like, let's take Lonely, for example. So you took Lonely and you created it. You basically, this always blows me away. So it's like, you pull it out of the void. You pull it out of some unforeseen dimension, some somewhere, but you're able to take it and put it into digital audio workstation format. Yeah. And then after that happens, then you're like, what does this mean for me? And then you proceed to write the lyrics to it. Yeah. I mean, with Lonely, like I wrote the first line. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of songs symbolizing selling your soul to the devil. But I'm like, let's be literal here. Like, let's just like straight up say it. Like, I'm not going to be hinting it throughout the song. I think that's cool. But I was like, I don't think anyone's just said it straight up. Like, I sold my soul to the devil. Mm -hmm. So like, I just roll with that. Like, what is this song talking about? And it just became what it became. I think the second, I love how it, the first verse says, I sold my soul to the devil. Second verse says, I took a walk with an angel. Like, I love that, like the difference there. And then the last one's like, I, I told myself I was going to get out of this place. It's like, now it's about me. It's just more like the soundtrack and what's the soundtrack saying? A lot of people, they, they you know, they sit down by their piano and they, or better yet, they take a notepad and they start writing lyrics. I don't really do that. I, I make music and then I have a notepad after the fact. I write lyrics to the song. So like, I'm not just pulling it out of thin air. Like I'm, I'm writing and then I'm remembering the line. So I write it down. So I don't forget that line. It's always based off the music. It's, it's never the other way around. Tell me about the astronaut. What, what, what's, what's going on with the astronaut, man? Everything's just symbolism. You know, a lot of people do the cheesy astronaut thing, space thing. But I was trying to really get the idea across, like you could be in this like unlimited space. But really, what does that mean? If you're just like a dude in a suit in the middle of space, you're like still like boxed in. This is life in boxes. It's like you're in space, but you're who cares? And there's something deep about that for me. I, I don't know. It just, that spoke to me. Totally stepping away from like the creative standpoint and focusing more on like a branding business standpoint. I love that you you gave me a character to focus on. You gave me the the astronaut. He's he's in all of the the cover arts and everything, and it's it's telling a story. You're giving me a world to fall into, man. Honestly, that is my goal. Essentially, when I listen to a song from an artist I love and I get chills, I'm lost in that song. And I just like, just get goosebumps. Something happens. I'm just like, wow, this is incredible. I want to recreate that for other people. Do do I feel that myself? Maybe like when I first made it, the first thing, like I'm like, oh, this is good. But for the most part, I don't. And I start living through other people. By That's what this whole career thing is about, really. Really, I just want, I want to know that my music's good. I want to know that I'm not making garbage. I need people to listen to it just so I know like it's not garbage. My whole <laughs> life I was writing music, but, but like I always thought, am I good? Am I not good? When you have an audience 
you could just plainly see if it's good or not good. And I like that. From what you're telling me, and Trivecta and I, we talked about this on the podcast before, but one of my favorite things about doing music, and he, he agreed with this as well, is the connection that you that you get with other people when they listen to your music. To me, I kind of feel like relationships are the most important thing. At the end of the day, guess what? Ableton's not going to come to your funeral. No digital audio workstation or plug-in or sample pack is going to give two craps about you after you're dead, all right? But guess who is? Your wife, your children, your parents, your cousins, your your best friends. They care about you. They will be with you. Human beings exist to connect with each other physically, emotionally, everything. So music's very special, but like what is music? Music is something that you're born liking music. You'll be a little baby and you'll love something. Everything else you have to learn, you have to pick up like why do I like this? Music you just like instantly know like it's specifically human. It's like the most human thing on earth. There is no other thing that's as human as music. It just speaks to people across all borders. It's literally a language. And when two people, I feel like connect on song there, it's unspoken. There's no words to describe why you guys are getting the chills and like what you're connecting on. It's an amazing thing. That's why people like concerts. Everyone wants to jump up and down by the big part. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to go crazy. Everyone wants to be connected. That's all it is. Everyone just wants to be connected. From me asking you these questions and you explaining it, you answered a question for me, like a personal question that that I've had for a long time. The answer that I got from that is that music in and of itself, the best word that I can think of is like enhances, but like think of like a more prestigious word for enhance, but it basically takes a human relationship, a human connection between two humans or more and enhances it to the next level like it helps you enter this next realm of connection i can't describe it. there's no descriptor for what you're feeling when you you say amazing but is that really the best word it feels like lackluster a little bit the majority of the people that come into this world don't have the same desire or the same connection i guess you could say that you and i do to music or, or the same type of connection that you and i do you know they the reason why is because even people who don't have this desire to make music, they still feel a connection to it. I know plenty of people that just love music so much, but they don't want to make it at all. I feel like you and I, not just you and I, but people who have a desire to make music, we have like this solemn responsibility as music makers to facilitate that connection. The only thing standing in between the connection and the people is us, and we are the ones that are like, get over here and connect. I agree with what you're saying. We do this because we just want to connect with people. We create music because we want people to feel what we felt. That's it. Like when you have that perfect moment in a song and you're trying to recreate something like that, you're just trying to give people what you had one time in the car while you're driving and got chills. Say that you were able to sit down with a higher power. I mean, first off, just picture that, you know, like whatever, whatever your spiritual belief is, it doesn't matter with this analogy. You're able to sit down with a higher power that you believe in that has all the answers to the universe. Everything, it has seen everything, it knows everything. You have the privilege to ask this thing one question that you know you will get the absolute, complete, and utter truth from with no room for misinterpretation. What would you ask him, man? Like, Gazo had a pretty good answer, but I don't know if that's what I would ask him. I would ask him, not why am I here, but why is any of this here? I'm not so concerned about my place in it. I'm more concerned about why it's even here at all. So not not just your your small part that you play, but the big picture. Like, why is this even here what, at what all? Was, what's, what's going on here? Like, how big is it? Is it endless? Are there really like different alternate universes where I exist doing the same things? Like what is this world that we live in? This is such a good question. So now you know the follow-up question. What do you think he would say? 
I don't want to know what he's going to say. I'm curious about it, but I don't want to know the answer. I don't know. I'm scared about it. Scared to find out. I don't know if it's my place. I don't know if it's my place to know this. I think that's what life is really about, just accepting your place. I'm giving credit to God, though, because honestly, like, it, it's really a, his answer, but it's just a slightly different version of it. This has been really good, Yosef. I really appreciate you coming through and setting that up with Gaza. That was really amazing, man. I, lo- I love this type of stuff. If I could be on a podcast every day of the week, I would be. Dude, I absolutely am positive you will come back on here and we will have more Oh yeah, let's keep keep the deep conversations. I'll become a regular. Thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. Dude, thanks for having me on.